Um, and I want to I want to point us ahead a couple of weeks to March nineteenth. And on March nineteenth, we're going to be talking about Job in our in our series called Storyline. And uh, the whole book of Job is about suffering. And uh, we don't have time to cover the whole book, so we're going to cover the first 22 verses of the book and uh, look at how do we suffer, how do we handle suffering in our lives. Uh, And then at the 1045 Bible study class, we're going to have our counselor, uh, Don Emmett, uh, teach that day, but teach from a counselor's point of view of how you and I are to handle suffering in our lives. So, So it's free counseling that morning, okay? It's just a group session. Um, and so I uh, would love for you guys to kind of circle that date and invite some friends, March 19th, uh, here in a couple of weeks. So um, last week, we were introduced to this guy named Jacob. And uh, Jacob, as we saw, stole his older brother. It's important to remember the birth order there. His older brother Esau, he stole his birthright and blessing. And then Jacob... Uh, As you read in Genesis, if you read about the life of Jacob, we pretty much see that he spends his whole life um, desperate for the affirmation and and approval of others. Okay, He spends his whole life trying to get this affirmation and approval uh, of others. And today, we we don't have three points today, Okay, but we do have a theme. We do have one theme as we look at this story in Jacob's life. And, And the theme is this, is that people with an inner emptiness tend to give themselves to the hope that the right person can fix my life. That uh, people who, for those of us that we struggle with this inner emptiness, we, we have a tendency uh, to put our hope on, maybe it's, maybe it's not always a person, maybe, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a title, maybe it's a position, maybe it's a relationship or whatever, but, but we have this tendency that, to think that the right person or the right job or the right whatever can fix our lives. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to uh, invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29, if you didn't bring your Bibles, we're going to put it up on the screen for us. Um, but, uh, Genesis 29, it reads like a romance novel. Okay. So, so guys, I know you're excited about that. Okay. Um, it reads like a romance number, num- uh, novel and, and in it, we discover what lies behind this, this hope, uh, or this desire for the right person. And, uh, Jacob, um, he, he's running from his brother Esau. Okay. And, uh, he's running to, to his, uh, to this region, uh, where his mother's uh, family is from, and he's searching for his uncle Laban. And uh, he sees this group of shepherds that have gathered, and he goes up to them and he says, hey, do you guys know, uh, you know Laban? And so that's where we begin our story uh, this morning. So um, all these shepherds, they are, they are near this well where they would water their sheep, and there's, um, it's in the hot, heat of the day, and there's this large stone that covers the well, and apparently they're waiting on some more shepherds to get there uh, so that they can all kind of pitch in together and move this heavy stone, and they keep it covered so that things don't get into the well or people or uh, enemy doesn't come and poison the well. And so they're kind of waiting around, and this is where Jacob sees them. And we'll start in verse 5. And he goes up to them, and he said, Hey, do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Yes, we know him, they answered. And then Jacob asked them, is he well? In other words, man, I, is he still alive? Is he still kicking? Is he still around? 
Um, and they said, yes, he is, they said. And, and here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the sheep. Now, when he sees Rachel, it is love at first sight, okay? It is love at first sight. He is head over heels in love with Rachel. And then he goes into, he does what every guy does uh, when they see a girl that they want to impress. You know, remember that those days, guys, in junior high or high school? He goes into feats of strength, okay? And it says here that uh, he tells the shepherds, hey, you know, let's get the water in these sheep here. Let's look alive. Let's look alive. There's a pretty woman, you know, nearby that I want to impress. And they're like, hey, it's not time. We need some more shepherds to give us a hand with this heavy rock. And so what does Jacob do? But Jacob moves this rock by himself, okay? Because he's trying to impress Rachel. And so he moves this rock by himself and he waters the sheep. And, and, and when Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and he watered his uncle's sheep. So he's going in full impress mode, okay? And guys, we're all guilty of doing it. In fact, I'm still guilty of doing it. If I'm working in the yard of the flower beds, you know, the first person I want, you know, to, to look at that is the boss. You know, I want my wife to come out and tell me I did a good job. You know, she doesn't tell me I did a good job. I'm like, hey, you know, Look how great these fire beds look. Maybe you need to look again, you know, kind of deal. Let's look a third time because these beds look really nice from my perspective, you know, with dirt all over uh, my hands and knees and things like that. So, so he goes all this trouble, verse 11, and then Jacob kissed Rachel, okay? Feet to strength, feeling pretty confident, walks up to her, doesn't go in 50% of the way, doesn't go in 80% of the way and let her come 20% of the way. He goes all the way in. He is that confident and he plants a kiss on her and then he begins to weep out loud. Fellas, don't do this. Okay? Uh, I mean, you, you don't want, you just impressed the girl and you had enough confidence. I mean, we're, we're, we're beyond asking her out. You just go and you plant one on her and then you begin to cry. So, um, so everything you just did out, out the window, look at, skip down to verse 15. So, uh, so Jacob, he, he stays, you know, with his uncle for, you know, it's been, been, a, been a month now that he's been working on the farm. And Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. In other words, hey, let's go into this negotiation and I want you to talk first. You tell me what, uh, what, you, what you want your wages to be. Now, let me catch you up a little bit in the story. Um, if you'll think back a few weeks ago, God told Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. Okay, we've all heard of Abraham. Uh, God makes Abraham some promises. He says, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to turn you into a great nation. And I'm going to save the whole world through your family, Abraham. Which means that in every generation, there, there's someone that will carry on the line. There's someone who will carry the seed of the Messiah. And Jacob is the one in this generation. And when we read about Jacob's life, he grows up, he's kind of ignored by his father. Esau, he's the older brother, he's the outdoorsman, he's the favorite, he's the firstborn, so all the hopes are with him, we talked about that. And, uh, and Jacob, he decides to trick uh, his, uh, his father and he dresses up like Esau um, and he walks in and his father is, you know, can't see very well and uh, he goes in and he steals 
the blessing from his older brother Esau. And Esau, he, he finds out about it and he swears that he is going to kill his brother Jacob. And Jacob is running for his life. And in, with Jacob's life, everything is falling apart. Jacob has no family. He has no money. And he runs away to be with the relatives of his mother. And now he's starting to tend sheep for his uncle. And his uncle comes to him and he says, what would you want your salary to be? And when Jacob gives Laban his answer, we see how Jacob is dealing with this, this inner emptiness in his life. Look at, look at verse 16 through 18. It says... Um, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older one was Leah, and the name of the younger one was Rachel, and Leah had weak eyes, so underline that, we'll come back to that. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful, and Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you for seven years in return for your daughter, Rachel. I'll work for you for seven years for your younger daughter, daughter Rachel. Now, Rachel is, is beautiful, and Jacob is crazy in love with her, and he's willing to work for her for seven years, which, by the way, was double the amount of money that you would pay to the family of the bride, okay? And, and what that shows us right there is that when a guy is madly in love with the girl, he makes stupid financial decisions, all right, when, I mean, when you start dating a girl, you just throw all principles of finance out the window, okay? And, uh, but that, that's what Jacob does here. Look at verse 19. And Laban said, well, it's better that I give her to you than some other, you know, joker, some other man, and so stay here with me. And so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. I mean, I told you, this sounds like a sappy romance novel, you know, or maybe it's the plot of the next Hallmark movie, okay? I mean, that, that's kind of what it's, what it's shaping up to be. And, and so, you know, I mean, it, you've, got, you've got Jacob here, okay? Just see if you've, you're familiar with this plot. Jacob, something happens at home and he's got to get out of town. And so he goes to this small town to stay with his, uh, with his relatives, with his mom's side of the family. And remember, he's not an outdoorsman. He's not a real woodsy guy. He hung out by the tent. He doesn't know much about farming or ranching or being a shepherd, but yet he's working on the farm, okay? Now cue the music, you know, the soundtrack. And Rachel's watching him, you know, and it's all cute as, as uh, you know, Jacob's trying to feed the pigs and he slips in the pig slop and falls down and it's really funny. And, you know, he's taking off his shirt and he's trying to bale the hay and the hay's falling off. I mean, you, you've seen the movie, right? I mean, this is what's happening here with this, with this thing. Some, some of you are like, man, I got to start reading my Bible. I mean, so, but uh, look, look at verse 21. And then Jacob said to Laban, give me, give, give me my wife. My time is complete, completed and I want to make love to her. And what the narrator is telling us is that Jacob is overwhelmed with emotional and physical longing for Rachel. And this is how Jacob is dealing with this emptiness and failure of his life. And what he's saying and what he's thinking, he goes, I'll, I'll never get my father's blessing. 
I'll never hear my father say, I love you and you're special and you're unique. I can't ever see my mother again and everything is falling apart, but Rachel. If I could just have Rachel, then my life would have meaning. If I could just marry Rachel, then everything will be all right. Then something will be good. Then something will validate me. Then something will give me approval and acceptance and and security. And we all know someone like that, right? That deal with this inner emptiness and they put it on on people or things or ventures. And, And if we bring that kind of attitude into any relationship or any friendship or, or, or marriage, it's not fair to the other person to ask them to save our self-esteem. It's not fair to the other person to ask them to meet all of our needs. It's not fair to ask them to be our savior because they were never created to carry that kind of load, okay? But that's what Jacob is doing. Now, look what, look what Laban does to Jacob. So, so Jacob, he works for seven years, uh, and it, now it's finally time for the wedding. And the wedding day, I mean, it, 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 you know, the, the bride is dressed in you know, her wedding gown and it's a veil. I mean, it's just you know, lots of veil and lots of gown just all day. And uh, you know, it, the party goes on and, and, and it comes to the end of the day and Jacob takes his bride back to his tent. And let's just assume you know, there's uh, very little lighting and there's been lots of you know, dancing and celebrating and drinking. And then he spends the night with his bride on their wedding night. And the next morning he wakes up and he discovers that the woman laying next to him is not Rachel, but it's Leah. And he's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? And he runs to Laban and he says, what have you done? Look at verse 25. And so Laban, um, he says, when, when morning came, there was Leah. You know, he rolls over and sees Leah, the older sister. So the morning came, there was Leah. And so Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? And Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal bridal week. Then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. Laban literally says, around here, it's not custom to put the younger ahead of the older. And in that moment, Jacob realized that's exactly what he did to his brother. That's exactly what he did to his father. And Jacob knows what it's like to be exploited, and he is shattered. Now, but it's not just Jacob's life that shattered, is it? It's also Leah's. So so what do we know about Leah, who is now very married to Jacob? See, if you remember back in verse 17, the narrator says that, that Leah uh, has weak eyes. And this, this word that in the Hebrew means to be breakable or fragile. And the narrator is not talking about her eyesight. He's, he's commenting on there was something about her eyes that made her very unattractive. Okay, so maybe, uh, you know, it's quite possibly a lot of the commentaries say that she was cross-eyed. Okay, and it made her very unattractive. And and Leah grew up in the shadow of her younger sister who was stunning. 
And Leah feels unwanted, undesired, unloved, and rejected. And look how she handles this brokenness in our lives. Every time she gives birth to a son to Jacob, which was a big deal back then, okay? I mean, it was one thing to give birth to a daughter, but to give birth to a son. Remember, this whole culture, they put, the, uh, they put all their hopes and dreams for the son, for the oldest son. And then the more sons you have, the more blessed you were. And so every time she gives, she gives birth to a son, she names the son to describe how she's longing for Jacob, okay? Her, her firstborn son, she gave the name Reuben, which means to see. And, and she's thinking, well, maybe finally now I will be visible to my husband and he'll quit ignoring me. Didn't work. She gives birth to a second son. She names him Simeon, which means to hear. And she's thinking, okay, well, maybe, maybe my husband doesn't see me, but now he'll finally listen to me because now I've not given him one son, I've given him two sons, and now maybe he'll finally talk to me and find me interesting. Doesn't work. She gives birth to a third son named Levi, which means to attach. And she's thinking, finally, Finally, my husband Jacob will love me because of what I've done for him. I've given him not one, not two, but three sons. And what Leah is thinking, what she's saying is, is if this man will only love me, then somebody will think I'm significant. Somebody will think I'm acceptable. Somebody will think I'm important. Somebody will finally love me. But when Jacob wakes up in that morning, it was Leah. And what we're being taught here is, is that when in life, there's going to be disappointment. And when disappointment comes, Leah represents that every time we get started down a new relationship, a new job, a new project, a new pursuit, and we think, well, this is finally going to make my life meaningful. This is finally going to make my life Right, this is, this is finally going to give me what I want. We know deep inside it's really not going to do that because it's no more than just a distraction to what the real issue is. And C.S. Lewis, the great author, he, he wrote this. He says, most people want in their own hearts something that this world can't give them. You don't need a preacher to tell you that. We, we all have enough life experience that this world cannot give us what our hearts really want. And even the best marriage or the best job or the best venture won't satisfy us. But if we keep trying to satisfy our hearts with the things of the world, if we keep trying to satisfy our hearts with, you know, with, with family or, or money or relationships or sex and in the place of God, we will be devastated every time. So, so what's the solution? Look, look at what God does in Leah's life. So, so this is where you and I kind of get into the story, if we haven't already. But she's calling out, if my husband, if my husband, if my husband would only love me, if he'd only see me, if he'd only listen to me. She wants her husband to be her savior. She wants her husband to make her feel valuable and approved and loved. But she's also calling on to the Lord as well. And when Leah calls out to the Lord, she uses the name Yahweh, which indicates that she's calling out to the Lord out of a personal relationship with God. 
that, that she's made an idol out of having this family, about having a husband, but yet she's struggling to have a relationship with the Lord. And that's where I find myself most days. And maybe you do too. That we're struggling with the things of the world. We're struggling with some kind of habit or some kind of sin in our lives. But at the same time, we're wanting to grow in our relationship with God. I mean, that's why we're here, right? I mean, we could have gone to brunch, but you're here. And we're worshiping and we're singing and we're reminding one another who God is. And we're looking in the word of God and seeing who God is because we want to grow in our relationship with God. And look at verse 35. We see the breakthrough that she has. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. And then she stopped having children. Judah means to praise. There's no mention of a husband. There's no mention of a son. She says, this time, I'm just going to praise the Lord. In other words, she's saying, I'm I'm not going to trust in my performance. I'm not going to be dependent upon anyone else for for acceptance or approval or significance or security or hope and love. I'm going to take the deepest hurt of my heart. I'm going to take the deepest desire of my heart and I'm going to put it on the Lord. See, Jacob and and Laban, they stole. They stole her life from her. But the moment she puts her deepest desire and trust in the Lord, she got her life back. Now, as the band comes and they just get ready to to lead us, let me just ask you, what's your deepest desire? What's that deepest want? Is it for somebody to think that you're important? Is it for somebody to, to, to say, I love you? Is it, some, is it acceptance? Is it, is it security? Is it health? What is that deepest desire? And what, what, what would it look like for you or for me to, instead of depending on other people or other things to, to fill that, what would it look like for us to put that on the Lord? Because that's what Leah did. To say, God, it, it, it doesn't matter anymore if this happens. It doesn't matter anymore what Jacob says. It doesn't matter anymore what my dad says. It doesn't matter anymore if I, if, I, if I have any more children. What matters is you and what you have to say about me and how you can only fill this void, this deepest desire in my heart. See, God says to Leah, you're going to be the mother who the line of Jesus will come from. God loved Leah when nobody else would. And Jesus is the only one who can do that for us. Jesus is the only one who can love us and never let us down. And the good news about this story is that God chose Leah. He didn't choose the most beautiful daughter. He didn't choose the strongest son. But God chose Leah. Because that's how the gospel works. He saves people who are too weak to save themselves. And 
every single one of us fall into that category. We can't save ourselves. There's no amount of effort. There's not a good enough performance. There's not good enough behavior. There's no amount of religious or church activity that can save us. It is only through faith and the life and death of Jesus on the cross. And that's not only where we have salvation, but nothing says that you and I are more approved and more accepted and more significant and more important and more secured and more loved than the son of the living God willingly dying on the cross for us. Just let that, just let that in these next few minutes just flow into your mind and your heart. The son of the most high God died for you because he loves you. Let that fill that void and that desire.